Welcome to Episode 4 of the Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth podcast. Greetings, I'm your host, Dr. Paul Felter. In these podcasts, we put to practice the Apostle Paul's command in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved of God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Only through right division will you understand the body of Christ, our purpose, our destiny, and our uniqueness in all of Scripture. In this episode, I'll discuss the church. Does the word church always refer to us, the body of Christ? We'll do a quick review of time past and the Gentile position during that period of time. Then we'll discuss the but now section, the dispensation of grace. How did the but now section begin? Then we'll discuss prophecy and mystery. Next, we'll move on to a a quick review of the fall of Israel and finish up with the two Gospels in Galatians chapter 2 that were in existence and preached during the transitional period of the book of Acts. So let's get started right now. I hope by now you've been able to log into my website, breadoflife.media, and at least download the one-page Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth chart. This is an invaluable aid in seeing how time past, but now, and ages to come are divided in accordance with the books of the Bible and God's plan for the ages. Let's take a look at the word church for a moment. When I use the word church in these podcasts, I am referring to the body of Christ during this dispensation of grace, this present period where God is saving Gentiles. And our proper name is the body of Christ, not just church. For the word church is the Greek word ecclesia. It means called out ones or assembly. Ecclesia is used over 300 times in the Septuagint to refer to assembly of Jews at the synagogue. The Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Old Testament written about 270 B.C. When reading the Old Testament, you see the word congregation used frequently. Well, that is the Hebrew word for the Greek word ecclesia. So congregation is the same as church, and it simply means an assembly, a group of called out ones. The word church can be an assembly of Christians, or the word church can be an assembly of Jews. We have a great example of that in Acts chapter 7, where Stephen refers to Israel after the exodus from Egypt as a church. Referring to Moses, he says, This is he, Moses, that was in the church in the wilderness, with the angel which spake unto him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles given to us. So don't be confused by the word church. Don't think that every time you see it in Scripture, it refers to you and me. It does not. It must be understood by the context of the passage wherein it is used. It does not always refer to the body of Christ in the dispensation of grace, as we clearly have seen seven churches in the book of Revelation. Those are not Christian churches in this present dispensation of grace. In Hebrews through Revelation, the word church refers to assemblies of Jews going through the seven-year tribulation, as the rapture has already removed the body of Christ from the earth. In Hebrews, we read the following about the church. Hebrews 2.12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praises unto thee. Well, that sounds fine. That sounds like it could apply to us. But this is a quote from Psalm 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation, will I praise thee. In the Old Testament, the assembly of Jews was called the congregation. The word congregation is used 333 times in the Old Testament. It means the same as the word church used in the New Testament. So don't be fooled by the word church. It is not synonymous with the body of Christ. In the Hebrew epistles, Hebrews through Revelation, church means a body of Jewish believers 
following their Messiah, Jesus Christ. Go back and review the little flock section. Continuing with the but now section, which is the dispensation of grace, the current program God has implemented to save Gentiles, let's ask the following questions. Is the middle wall of partition still in effect? In other words, is there a clear distinction being made between Jew and Gentile? Is the law of Moses still in effect? And also, why is this dispensation of grace labeled a mystery? Is this period a continuation of something from the Old Testament or something new? What is so special about the Apostle Paul? And when did the body of Christ begin? Let's look at the mystery aspect first. The purpose of prophecy is to establish the headship of Jesus Christ in the earth through the agency of Israel via the kingdom covenants and the promises made to them. The purpose of the mystery program of grace is to establish the headship of Jesus Christ in all heavenly places through the agency of the body of Christ via the covenant and promises made to us. These two programs are distinctly different. In fact, they are mutually exclusive of each other. Let's look at a few scriptures pertaining to prophecy. Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 70. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of this holy prophets, which have been since the world began. So you can see prophecy is something that was announced. It was spoken by the prophets since the world began, speaking of the Old Testament prophets. Again, in Acts chapter 3, 20 through 21, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now let's look at a contrasting verse spoken by the Apostle Paul about the dispensation of grace, the mystery. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Obviously, if something was spoken since the world began, and something else was kept secret since the world began, they cannot be the same thing. They have to, by definition, be something different. So it's clear that the ministry and redemptive purpose of Jesus Christ were matters of prophecy spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. This is not a mystery. It's no mystery that Jesus Christ was going to come, die on the cross, and redeem his people. But the dispensation of grace which includes the gospel of grace and the body of Christ, is a mystery. It was revealed to the Apostle Paul and had been kept secret since the world began. The mystery of the gospel of grace was unknown to Old Testament prophets, unknown to Jesus' disciples, unknown to anyone prior to its revelation to the Apostle Paul, beginning in Acts chapter 9. Another important passage that reveals the mystery aspect of the church, the body of Christ, is Ephesians 3, 8 and 9. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. 
So Paul says, unto me, that the gospel of grace was given to me, the apostle Paul. It was not given to Peter, James, and John. That Paul should preach among the Gentiles. Only the apostle Paul, in the entirety of the Bible, has a ministry to the Gentiles. Also, this gospel of grace was a mystery that was hidden before Paul and revealed to Paul. This mystery was hid in God from the beginning of the world. In other words, it was hid in the Father. Nobody knew it. It is not hidden in the Old Testament. You know that old saying that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Well, that's nonsense. The dispensation of grace, the mystery of revelation from God to Paul is nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. It was hid in God since the beginning of the world. Now, I don't know how the Holy Spirit could make this any clearer. The church, the body of Christ, the dispensation of grace was completely unknown to anyone prior to the Apostle Paul. It was hid in God. This is a critical understanding because it reveals the uniqueness of the church, the body of Christ. The church is not a continuation of something from the Old Testament or the gospel. It is a brand new entity, else it would not be a mystery. Let's take another look at the but now passage from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. The words but now refer to the present dispensation of grace that began with the Apostle Paul and will end at the rapture. Anytime you see the words but now, you know instinctively that something has changed. Something is different from time past. The verse says that both are made one. There is no distinction between Jew and Gentile in the body of Christ. The middle wall of partition has been broken down. The wall of partition that separated Jews from Gentiles has been completely broken down in this dispensation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The enmity between Jew and Gentile has been abolished. It no longer exists in the body of Christ. The law of commandments. Jesus also has abolished the law of Moses pertaining to the body of Christ. Since there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, the law of Moses cannot be in effect because the law was never given to Gentiles. It was only given to Israel. And lastly, the twain have become one new man. This is very important. Jew and Gentile are now one new man in Christ. We are not a continuation or a makeover from Old Testament believers. We are not a continuation of believers during the ministry of Jesus Christ or the early chapters of Acts. We are a completely new man, the body of Christ that began with the Apostle Paul. Since the church, the body of Christ, was a mystery program, let's look at some of the mystery passages. The mystery of blindness to Israel during the church age, Romans 11.25. The revelation of the mystery of the gospel of grace given to Paul. We just read that, Romans 16, verse 25. The mystery of hidden wisdom of God that grace would come to the Gentiles, 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8. The mystery of the rapture of the church, 
1 Corinthians 15, 51-52. The mystery of all things in Christ in heaven and earth, Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. The mystery of the dispensation of grace given to Paul, Ephesians 3, 1-4. The mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs with Israel, Ephesians 3, 5-7. The mystery of grace hid in God, Ephesians 3, 9. The mystery members of his body, Ephesians 5, 30. The mystery of the gospel of grace, Ephesians 6, 19. And the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, 26 and 27. It's quite easy to see why Paul commands us to rightly divide the word of truth, because the body of Christ is unique. It is completely different from what came before it and what will come after it. Most pastors and teachers want to harmonize the scriptures, the Old Testament, the Gospels, Acts, Paul's epistles, and Hebrews to Revelation. However, Paul commands us to rightly divide the word based upon what God is doing and his designated audiences. Clearly, from our study thus far, God's designated audience in the Old Testament, the Gospels, and Acts chapters 1-7 through was Israel, his chosen people, the Jews. Only after Saul of Tarsus is saved on the road to Damascus does God's program begin to change. Gentiles are now included in his plan of redemption. God chose Saul, the Apostle Paul, to reveal his new program to save Gentiles, and that program is ongoing. That program is the current dispensation of grace. Let's take another look at the fall of Israel in Romans chapter 11. This will help solidify the starting point of the dispensation of grace. Romans 11, 11 through 12. I say then, have they, Israel, stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Paul is asking the question, has Israel stumbled that they should fall? Well, when did Israel stumble? Well, they stumbled at the crucifixion of Christ. They stumbled at the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.23 But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. If the Jews stumbled at the cross, when did they fall? As we read in Acts chapter 7, Israel fell with the stoning of Stephen by rejecting their final offer to accept Jesus as their Messiah. Remember, they were given a one-year extension of mercy, but their rejection of Stephen's testimony of Christ caused Israel to be cut down. They fell. Paul then states in Romans 11, 11, that through the fall of Israel, salvation has come to the Gentiles. The progression is the Jews must totally reject Christ as the Messiah, then salvation would come to the Gentiles. Israel stumbled at the cross. They fell at the stoning of Stephen. Following that, salvation came to the Gentiles. If you have the one-page chart, that is very easy to see this three-part progression. The stumbling, the fall, the diminishing, and salvation to the Gentiles. The preceding passage from Romans chapter 11 establishes the division between time past and but now. The division event is the fall of Israel in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is saved, beginning the gospel and the dispensation of grace. 
The book of Acts records the diminishing of Israel and the growth of the dispensation of grace, a transition moving away from Israel, Jerusalem, the temple, and Peter to the Gentiles, Antioch, Paul, and the gospel of grace. The apostle Paul is the only apostle to the dispensation of grace, the body of Christ, this present church age. Romans 11:13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. 1 Timothy 2.7 Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ, I lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Also in 2 Timothy 1.11 Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. This means that the writings of the Apostle Paul are exclusive to the church, the body of Christ which is primarily a Gentile assembly of believers. Paul's epistles are for this current dispensation of grace. Let's answer the questions asked at the beginning of the But Now section, the dispensation of grace. Is the middle wall of partition still present? No, the middle wall of partition is broken down, and there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, Ephesians 2.14. Is the law of Moses still in effect? No, the law has been abolished for the body of Christ, We are not under the law, as Gentiles have never been under the law of Moses. Why is it labeled a mystery? The dispensation of grace was hid in God and kept secret from the beginning of the world. It was a secret plan to save Gentiles and bring them to Christ. Is the dispensation of grace a continuation of something in the Old Testament or something new? It's something new. We are one new man, the body of Christ. What is so special about the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul is the first person ever to be called by God into a ministry to Gentiles. When did the body of Christ begin? The body of Christ technically began with the saving of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He was the first member of the one new man, the body of Christ, 1 Timothy 1.16. Let's do a quick comparison of Gentiles in time past and in this present dispensation. In time past, Israel had a distinct advantage over Gentiles. They were Israelites, God's chosen people, his firstborn, Exodus 4.22. They were adopted into God's program, into God's family. Christ came through Israel, through the Jews. They had the fathers like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had the covenants of the law given to Moses. They were in the service of God, and they had the promises of God, even though frequently they were in rebellion against God. Romans 9, 4-5 sums it up. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises? Who are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came? Who is over all God blessed forever? Amen. Now Paul says Gentiles in times past were in pretty bad shape. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Gentiles were clearly in Satan's back pocket. They were uncircumcised, so they had no part in the covenants of Abraham. They were without Christ. They were aliens from Israel, God's agency on earth. They were strangers from the covenants God made with Israel. They were without God in this world 
and they had no hope. That is a pretty bleak picture of Gentiles in times past. But what about but now? Paul says in Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye, who were sometimes far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Gentiles are brought near to Christ by his blood. He died on the cross for all. Ephesians 3.6 says that Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Gentiles would now be one new man. They would be fellow heirs in God's program and in God's eternal destiny. Finally, let's take a quick look at the two gospels in Galatians chapter 2. These are some important scriptures that demand our attention. Paul's writing to the body of Christ in Galatia, and he recounts his visit to Jerusalem 14 years after his conversion. Galatians 2, 7 and 8. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me, that's Paul, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Now, most Christians would read that and just go right on by, not pay any attention to it, because they don't really understand what's being talked about by our Apostle Paul here. But let's break it down a little bit. Four points must be understood from this passage. The gospel of the uncircumcision, that's Gentiles, was committed to the Apostle Paul. And the gospel of the circumcision, Israel, was committed unto the Apostle Peter, also James and John and the rest of the eleven. Peter was an apostle to the circumcision Israel, and Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. This passage might seem confusing. That's probably why you've never heard a sermon on it. But it's very straightforward when taken literally and rightly divided. Peter and the other apostles were commanded by Jesus in Mark 16, 14-18 to preach the gospel of believe and be baptized. They had to believe Jesus was their Messiah to be saved. This gospel was obviously for the Jews, the little flock. It is the gospel of the circumcision. Peter preached this gospel at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 to an audience entirely Jewish. Peter was an apostle to the Jews. Paul was given the gospel of grace by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of the uncircumcision to be preached to the Gentiles. Paul's gospel centers on the atoning death of Christ, his burial, and resurrection on the third day, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. In the book of Acts, there are two gospels being preached. The gospel preached by Peter and the other apostles to the Jews, the little flock, in accordance with Jesus' instructions in Mark 16. The gospel preached by Paul to the Gentiles, the gospel of grace. The dual gospel pattern continues In Galatians 2, verse 9. And when James, Cephas, that's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, that's Paul, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. James, Peter, and John are apostles to the circumcision. Israel, and that's what they're going to take, the gospel of Mark 16 to the Jews. Paul and Barnabas would go to the heathen, and they would preach the gospel of grace. So here's the point. 
If James, Peter, and John were apostles to Jews, who might you think is their intended audience in their writings? Would they be writing to Gentiles or Jews? Jews, of course, as they are apostles to the Jews. Paul, on the other hand, was an apostle to the Gentiles. Who was his intended audience, Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles, of course. This is stated by Jesus when speaking to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, shortly after Saul's Damascus Road conversion. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he, that's Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, to the Jew first, then the Greek. Romans 11:13. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Paul's epistles are Romans through Philemon. These books were written to the body of Christ, which is primarily Gentile. After Philemon comes the Hebrew epistles of Hebrews through Revelation. This includes the epistles of James, Peter, and John. Notice the Bible books of James, Peter, and John are in the same orders as Galatians 2.9, James, Cephas, and John. Coincidence? Not hardly. God doesn't do coincidence. These books of Hebrews to Revelation are written to Israel to guide them through the seven-year tribulation, where the law of Moses is back in operation. Peter, James, and John are apostles to the Jews, and their writings are to the Jews. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and his writings are to the Gentiles. When you read Hebrews through Revelation, read with the mindset of a Jew going through the seven-year tribulation. Always remember, Hebrews is written to Jews, not the body of Christ. Another interesting verse about the but-now period, the dispensation of grace, is the complete and total change of the position of the Gentiles. Ephesians 3.6 says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. You remember earlier we read that Gentiles were aliens and strangers from Israel. They were without Christ. They were without God in the world with no hope. But here in Ephesians 6, they've been made fellow heirs, fellow heirs along with Israel into God's promises and into the kingdom of God to be with him for all eternity. In the next episode, we'll do a survey of the books of Hebrews through Revelation to show why they are not written to the body of Christ, but written to Israel. I hope you've taken the opportunity to visit my website and get the free Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth PDF chart and possibly the study guide, which parallels this entire podcast. I know it will be of great value to you in understanding right division. So for now, until the next episode, this is uh, your host, Dr. Paul Felter, bidding you a hearty God bless.